Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. We are live in the Asia Tech Podcast studio. This is Pitch Deck Asia. My name is Graham Brown, joined by Adrian George. Adrian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Graham. Thanks for having me. Very happy to be there. Well, it's great to have you here in the studio. We'll talk about Prop Seller, yep. your journey as well, what problem you're solving in the market you're in, market of talent, sales. So also, um, you know, the uh, the whole sort of journey that you had coming there many years at Groupon. Now what you're doing is, you know, six years, I think you're at Groupon, right? Now That's two right. years with your own startup, correct? Um, we'll talk about Prop Seller and also your background before that. I mean, you're in the, the real estate property business obviously the name kind of gives that away right mm -hmm. um so what we want to do is find out a little bit more about you your story mm -hmm. also your team as well maybe start at the top one of the things i find interesting when i sit with uh startup founders here is like asking where they're from because we had a little conversation off air here like your name um, i was fooled it's obviously spanish mm -hmm. but not what's the story there adrian uh, it's it is originally Spanish, but it goes ways back, and yeah. um, I'm French myself, and I've been living in Singapore for the last six years. Six years. Did you come to Singapore with Groupon? That's right. Right. Um, okay. I spent six years at Groupon, um, three years for the European business. Mm. I started in uh, the end of 2010 in the Paris office. At that time, we were about 25 over there. And I moved um, to uh, Groupon APAC in 2013, and I spent again uh, about three years there. Right. When they said to you, Adrian, we got a job for you in Singapore, yeah. was it an easy decision for you? Because back then, Singapore, six years ago, wasn't Singapore it is today, right? It's evolved a lot, right? It was not exactly like that. Um, <clears throat> it was more like... Um, one evening I was with um, that uh, lady who was at the time my girlfriend and who was my wife. Mm -hmm. And we were like, okay, it would be great we have an international experience, right? So let's try to, to move abroad. Um, but we knew that uh, sometimes couples, when they, when they move abroad together, it may be difficult because one has to follow the other. Yeah. Uh, so we decided to give a chance a bit to, to everybody. So she had a chance first to find something abroad hmm. uh, for a couple of months, and then it was my turn. And uh, I went to my boss at Groupon and told them, look, I got an amazing ride over the last three years, uh, but now I'm up for, for something else. Uh, I'm looking for something abroad. Right. And he said, Singapore. And uh, no, they said, well, uh, are you sure? Uh, maybe uh, we can uh, uh, try to uh, move you somewhere else into my organization or things uh. like that. Um, uh, so I, I had a, a couple of options, uh, very nice cities around the world, and, and we ended up in Singapore, and I think it was a great decision. Yeah, especially for what you're doing now. Obviously, we come around to Prop Seller yeah. in a minute. I think now for startups, yeah. Singapore is a great city. Obviously, it's not the cheapest city in the world, mm -hmm. but it's great for accessing talent and also accessing investment. Mm -hmm. And it's also a great vantage point if you're looking at Asia generally. I mean, it's a great city to be located in and to register your company. I mean, you're based here. Yeah. Your company's based here, right? So let's talk about PropSeller yep. itself. Maybe we can start at the top. If we can jump into your pitch deck, <coughs> mm -hmm. I'm going to jump around a little bit. I like to sort of start with the market first. And this is, a, I like this pitch deck, Adrian, because it's short. It's five slides, I think, isn't it? <laughs> to the you. point. Slide four, if I can just start in here. Maybe we can switch this. Uh, can we get that to present mode? 
full screen. This is the market yep. you are in. Yep. Agents, property agents. What's the market? How do you define your market okay. first? So let's start very broad and, and go a bit uh, more into the details, right? So we are into the real, et se real estate sector. Hmm. Um, 40% of the assets on earth are actually real estate. So it's virtually the biggest market on earth, but um, many things are happening with that, right? It's a lot about the value of the property. Hmm. Um, and um, then uh, those property are sometimes uh, sold and uh, rented out. And um, property owners, when they like to do something like this, um, they engage a property agent. In Singapore, it's estimated that 90%, 90% of the sales uh, are actually executed with the help of at least uh, one property agent. Mm. So those agents, looking at Singapore only, every year they take a $1 billion US dollar commission pool. Mm. Okay, There are 30,000 property agents in Singapore. Um, that's almost... 1.5 times more than taxi drivers. Mm. And the property agent makes on average much more than the average taxi drivers, yeah. obviously. And there's right? often two agents as well in the deal, isn't there? So I find that, well, in, in the rental market at least, but there's a lot more than one. It can be. If you talk about HDB sales, mm. most of the time there would be only one. Mm. If you talk more premium uh, condo, would it be for rentals or for sales? It would be something called a co-brook where mm. there is an agent on each side of the transaction. Right. So the market you defined here, you're basically saying there's a lot of property agents That's in right. Singapore. Yeah, just Singapore. I mean, I know obviously you're you're involved in different markets, but you're based here. Is this relevant to other markets as well in Asia? So we are based in Singapore, and for now, <coughs> we focus only in Singapore. Mm. We think we have a lot to do here first. At some point, we'll obviously be looking at expanding overseas, but um, that's not the case as, at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, the problem is, is a general one. You can look at mm. uh, um, a very developed market like uh, the US, for example, or, or a less developed market. You, you, people, they need a home, mm. right? And depending on the events that happen in their life, they would be buying one and at other moments in their life, they would be uh, selling that home. Mm. Um, and um, well, then the question is like, okay, how do I go about selling that home the best right. way? Okay, well, let's use that jump into your slide because you've got the problem here Yeah. Um, about selecting an agent. That's right. But what is the problem? Because it sounds like it's working in Singapore now yeah. because there's a lot of agents making a lot of money Yeah. unless, you know, there was, well, uh, you know, if it wasn't working, then people, you know, it wouldn't be such a productive market. You know, <clears throat> the there would be people challenging that market or, you know, people saying, as I see it, it's doing all right. So what is the problem? <clears throat> okay. So to understand a bit, before I jump to the problem, to understand a bit what we do differently is that over the last couple of years, a lot of entrepreneurs and startups have focused on the buyer, on the property seeker, right? Mm. Uh, 99.co, property guru, all that. They do that very, very well, right? They, they list properties and they do that for property seekers. Would it be for sale or for rental? We uh, take care of another part of uh, the problem. For that property to be to be listed, uh, an agent has to list it first because only agents can list on 99.co and property group. Mm -hmm. And that means a property owner has to pick an agent first. So that's the part we are in. The problem we are solving is that nowadays, um, <coughs> for such an important de decision um, like selling your home, 
you don't really have the full transparency that I think someone deserves uh, when selecting an agent, right? Mm. Um, there are three things that are um, missing, we believe, at PropSeller. Number one is a, is a quality signal, something that tells you about the quality of that agent. Number two is a specialty signal, is that agent specialized for HDB, mm. for landed, for rental, for sale, for new sale, for resale, for rentals. Uh, and whether that agent is able to uh, show you uh, an upfront pricing so you don't have any surprise, right? Mm. Uh, you look at a couple of other industries to take drivers, doctor, or hospitality, that has become a standard in most of the case. Um, but when mm. dealing with or uh, selecting a property agent, it, it has not yet uh, become a standard. So, so that's the part we are, uh, that's the problem we are addressing. Hmm. Um, can we can we just sort of pause there a little bit? How then do I know you've got the options here up on the slide deck? But generally, yeah. if I was selling <coughs> mm -hmm. a property, yeah, what would be the most common way? Yeah. And I would get an agent. Is it going to be word of mouth? I mean, you've got three options there, but generally, how does it work out? So a lot of people would definitely use word of mouth and. Mm consult a few friends or relatives and ask them if they know an agent that uh, they would recommend, right? Mm. It works great in some cases, but not in all the cases. Uh, maybe your friend sold an HDB in the East mm. with an agent that n really know his thing into the East, but maybe you are selling a condo in the West. You don't need the same agent. Mm. Uh, also, the experience that your friends may had is only one experience. How does it tells you or in some ways exactly. guarantee you that yeah. the experience is going to be consistent uh, with different clients. Right? Mm. Um, so that's option number one, to ask a friend. Option number two is to use all the various um, marketing materials that you can find out there. Mm. Number one being the mailer that uh, I'm sure you have received mm. in your mailbox too, yeah. where agents are basically advertising their service. And uh, number three would be to use the service of uh, some uh, directory that are available online. Property Guru has one, for example, where agents are basically paying for appearing at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those are the three options. Yeah. And what you're saying is that unlike other marketplaces <coughs> where you have that kind of, those three signals, quality, speciality, and the the third point, if we can just flip, get this upfront uh, pricing, upfront pricing, yeah, the, the sort of the clarity in the pricing, that transparency, that in property it doesn't exist, and there's a lot of being mo money being made despite the lack of these. So I guess the question is, is how is that happening despite the lack of these? So, so why, I'd not why say it... in property, uh, Graham. I'd say in uh, property agent services. Okay, yeah, all right. Correct me. Property agent services. Yeah. There's a lot of commission being made, as you said, a billion dollars, despite mm -hmm. the lack of these three obvious, you know, criteria required to build a, a an equal balanced marketplace, yeah. right? Um, so th there tends to be something going on which is preventing that, either a barrier to entry or some sort of market imperfection which is creating that. Mm -hmm. Why? Why is that the case? Whereas, for example, even in medicine, mm -hmm. which has all those barriers to entry, mm -hmm. you're starting to see that kind of transparency mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. It's a tricky question. Why, basically, you're asking me why no one has tried to fix that before. Yeah, yeah until now. Is, is it legislation? or is it, I mean, it's licensed here in Singapore, isn't it? Property yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but then you say the same about medicine. Doctors are there, right? Okay, maybe one possible answer would be to say that, you know, generally, I think uh, entrepreneurs, they try to fix problems they have expensed themselves. Mm. And when you think about... Um, who is the average property seller, um, he's not that young. 
Um, at best, you will buy your first property maybe at 30 or 35. If it's an HDB in Singapore, you need to hold it for at least five years. Mm-hmm. Um, people, they would sell 10 to 15 years after that for, ne- for the next upgrade or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So that means when they start to sell, they are minimum 40 years old, sometimes 45 years old for the first time, right? Um, it reduces a lot the pool of entrepreneurs that can experience right. uh, that selling process and, um, and say, well, uh, we are going to fix it. In my case, I was lucky because I come from a family of property agents. Mm. My mother has been running a property agency for about twenty-five years, and half of in my France, fam- yeah, and half of my family is in is in the property business. So I, I was lucky enough to be able to to see how it goes since uh, since I was a child. Mm. Interesting insight. I think it's fascinating the fact that the certain, like you say, to fix the problem. You have to have people there who can A, identify that problem mm-hmm. and be able to fix it. Mm-hmm. But the people who are selling mm-hmm. in Singapore here, for example, over mm-hmm. a certain demographic, mm-hmm. they probably have made a lot of equity in their property over 10, 20 years. And therefore, mm-hmm. when they sell, you know, maybe the fees are not such a big issue for them now. They're just kind of offloading a, a family property they've had for a number of years, right? Mm-hmm. So they're maybe not looking at that kind of scrutiny that you would look in a more competitive market, right? So maybe let's talk about what the solution is. How, how do we actually deal with that? How do you correct that? How do you make it better for everybody, including the agents? Mm-hmm. You've got the solution slide here. I'll just flash that up on the, the pitch deck. And we can just sort of jump in on that. Slide three. This is your solution, search to engage property agents marketplace. Yep. Explain, marketplace, what's going on? Okay, so we are a marketplace, not of property, but of property agents. So mm. what you'll find on prop sellers are property agents with their review, uh, historical transaction, what people have been telling about them and so on, right? So let's say you are um, a seller um, and you're thinking about selling your property. Uh, you go on prop seller, you indicate a few criteria, where's your property located, um, what type of property it is, um, how much is it going to sell for, you're not sure, but you give a range, and, and what is it that you are looking for uh, from uh, your property agent, right? Hmm. And you'll get recommended with a list of up, up to uh, 10 property agents. Um, you'll find um, some information about that, as I mentioned before, ratings, reviews, and so on. And then you'll get in contact with um, those agents. You'll have the opportunity, if you want to, to interview a few of them and then decide the one uh, you want to go with, basically. Mm. And um, at the end of the engagement with the agent, whether you close the deal or not, you will be able to post a review about that agent. Good. So, you know, something that's very specific about the property agent service is that there's not much repeat business. Mm. Right? Yeah. If you're a restaurant, um, you serve a food that's not that good, uh, people are going to come one time, they're not going to come twice. You go out of business. Right? Yeah. If you're a property agent, you have all sorts of property agents out there. They are fantastic professionals. People that had um, um, clients for the last 20 years, mm. right, that are following them, uh, that would not change uh, for anything to another property agent. But unfortunately, you also have some, some, sometimes among those 30,000 agents, some black chip mm. that are making a bad reputation to the industry and that are maybe not always delivering the best satisfaction to their client. Mm. The issue is uh, when they do that, there's not much people knowing about it, mm. right? So the loop is sort of broken. Mm-hmm. 
we are because it's a one-time sale often because it's a there's no sale. relationship with the customer there it's transactional isn't it that's right and once the customer sold they may have lost a few thousand on the deal but they're away they're not bothered about going back in and doing maybe they did more not business. sell for the sale price yeah. maybe the experience was very painful maybe the agent did not really work in the best interest of the client all the time despite they should um the sometimes we we hear some clients feeling it has not been the case mm. um then um since the next time you would sell your your property would be five or ten years down the road mm. The loop is broken. No one knows about it. So we are closing this loop with this feedback that comes mm. in, no matter if you close or if you do not close uh, a deal with that agent, we recommend H it. How do you do that? Because the feedback is so important. Yeah. And there's so many challenges in creating valid feedback. And I think back to, I know it's not a direct comparison, but the challenges of feedback, let's say with Grab or Uber, for example, mm -hmm. you take a ride <coughs> and you forget to rate that person yeah. and you can't be bothered to rate that person yeah. and it never reminds you especially with grab grab yeah. seem to be pretty slack with that uber were a lot better i think yeah. by comparison with yourself like you say you sell a property oh, i'm done now with that i'm now refitting my new house i've got other stuff to worry about how do you encourage then that closing of the loop how do you get people to come back such that they do do the rating yeah it's a very good question. So that's um, that's a question we had before starting, right? The question was, will we need to provide incentive to mm. clients to actually post the feedback? Because the system is based on that, right? And we were very surprised with, with what we found out. You, you're making a comparison between like Grab, the, 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 the ratings you put on Grab mm. uh, versus the rating you put, you put on PropSeller. There is a many difference in, into those two services, but one big one is that the experience you have with an agent is extremely deep, right? That person will know you, where you live. Uh, she would know about how many kids you have, the name of your kids, the name of your wife, how much money you have on your bank account, hmm. uh, what's your family plan, where are you going to move, where do you work, etc. And you've been in contact with that, with that person for the last two, three, four, sometimes six months, right? So when you have, that's someone you know really well, uh, much better than your grab driver. Mm. So when you have the opportunity uh, to post a feedback about that person, what we see is that people, they just enjoy it a lot. And if you look at some of the reviews that people are posting on, on the website, it goes up to a thousand words. It's right. really it's long. It's a proper essay. Yeah. So, so, some people are just like spending 45 minutes writing a right. review about the agents. Right. So you don't need to incentivize. That's the no, point. We don't. You went in with the hypothesis, fair enough, to say, how do we get people to review? Yeah. Do we have to offer some kind of rewards or incentives, coupons, for example, to get people to review? But you found that you don't need to do that because people care about it enough to leave a thousand word reviews. Yeah. We focused on making a, a great uh, user experience on the website when, yeah. when posting a review, making it very sleek, very smooth. Um, we've made some progress on that. And uh, we think it's enough and that we don't need to provide any sort of uh, incentive. Mm. Well, one thing I'm curious about, when you create these marketplaces and you create those feedback loops where you're actually allowing people to feedback reviews yeah. to you know, the, either the buyers or the sellers in these, or the brokers in these circumstances, how does it actually change behavior? You know, have you seen how this changes behavior? Do people start acting differently Okay, now that they know they're going to get a review, so maybe they try a bit harder. That's obvious, just like we see that with the restaurant business, for example. 
However, once people start receiving reviews, an agent starts getting feedback. Does it change the way they behave beyond trying a bit harder? Does it also change the way sellers, vendors behave? It does. Um, it does for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, the agent that registered on PropSeller and that are introduced to some of our clients, they can't decide to invite a client or not to post a review. It's automated. We do it, mm. right? So they don't have to to, set, to give a green light saying, hey, okay, um, that client was happy. Uh, let's invite him to, to send a review. No, we want to collect both uh, the good and but also the bad reviews. Um, so um, the profile that um, that the the agent have on PropSeller obviously public. So as soon as you type the name mm. of uh, an agent that's partnering with us, most of the case uh, you would see his PropSeller profile on the top three results in Google, right? And that's his brand name, mm. right? That's his business. They are business owner. Property agent is the biggest group of entrepreneurs in Singapore, actually, mm. right? So they care a lot about uh, their branding and what people have been saying about them because everybody can find it. I think number one. Number two is the thing that we currently partnering with uh, 500 top property agents. We created them, we uh, collected reviews about them, we ranked them, etc. Um, and from the property agent perspective, uh, they receive business from us because we introduce them qualified leads, right? Mm. Only if they, if they are at the very top of the list. Um, if the reviews that they receive from those clients, it's not that good, they go down in the ranking. If they go down in the ranking, they receive less business from us. Hmm. Okay, so there's a, a distinct business benefit for an agent to get on. I mean, the SEO impact as well is gonna be huge because I think if you Google an agent now, you, you'll get to the licensing body, right? Maybe that's it and you can find out you can find out who that agent is, what their license number is, and if there's any issues with that yep. agent as well. Yep. But that doesn't really tell you much because if there's nothing there, it just means there's been no issues with that agent, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean they're good, doesn't mean they're they're bad either. But if I was to Google Adrian George as an agent, you'll come right up there, which vendors will do. Yeah. They want to know that you're the right person. You'll come up, I'll get all your feedback. Now, how do you deal with the issue of, not negative feedback, but for example, I find with platforms where you're involved in brokering, if you're buying and selling services, whether it's, for example, hiring talent, mm -hmm. I've done that you know, with the outsourcing platforms. I know it's a very different relationship in quality-wise with what mm -hmm. you're talking about. But there's always that issue is that you don't want to give somebody a four-star or a three-star feedback because it creates trouble yep. with that person. So you just don't give them any feedback. Yeah. You either give them a five star yeah. because they're asking for it yeah. or you give them nothing. Yeah. So sometimes it's very difficult to read somebody's feedback and understand exactly what it's saying. You know, they may have done a lot of work, but they don't have a lot of feedback. That may mean people just not giving feedback for a number of reasons, right? Yeah. How, how do you deal with that? Because I want to say I had this agent, he didn't do very well. I want to give some feedback on that. Yeah. But I don't want, he knows where I live. He knows my bank account, all those, you know, he knows where my kids go to school. How do you deal with that? It's a very good question. I think at the end of the day, um, no review system is perfect, right? Uh, the question is, is not really how far it is from perfect, it's like how far it is from nothing. Hmm. Um, so um, 
is there any review system on earth you were mentioning it yourself that gets all the negative feedback that gets all the positive feedback uh no they are not right uh what we are working towards is making sure that we get as many as possible um we meet a lot of our customers uh, sometimes to understand if they did not want to post a review why was that but we also do something else which is we look at uh, out of 10 customers introduced to an agent how many are willing to post a review and more often than not if uh, people are not posting a review at all it means that if they would have post one uh, it would not be that good yeah so that's also a signal we're using right and and can somebody pick up on that as a, a reader i can know that they're because they're not posting reviews there's no reviews on that um, agent and it impacts our our scoring system oh, okay so you have like a yeah an aggregate score yeah um but no you can't see uh at the moment on the website okay uh, that agent got for example a mm. review conversion rate of x percent right. i think it would be a, a bit too difficult to right. understand so we keep it for ourselves okay but you account for that in the algorithm, yes. right? Which is really important because what's not said is sometimes as important as what is said, right? Agree. Okay, good. So we talked about the marketplace. Where's the business model in that? How do you make money out of that? Do agents pay yep. a flat fee to be on the platform? So uh, it's obviously free for clients. And then we take a 20% referral fee to the agent mm. if and only if they close a deal with a client we have referred to them. As simple okay. as that. No other fee. Right. But do agents pay to be on the platform or they no. just pay on a success fee? Only a success fee. And yeah. the reason for that is that we wanted to make sure that we have the absolute best agents hmm. uh, of Singapore. Um, so we thought um, that an upfront fee was not the solution. Otherwise, it would have filtered out people who would not believe in us or would, who would not need us a lot, etc. And we hmm. went more towards uh, just uh, a success fee. Yeah. Okay. That would really benefit an agent, for example, who was really good at what they did, but yeah. maybe didn't have like high street presence or a big brand name. Yeah. Just really good at the personal touch. Yeah. And that service. I think, um, you know, um, they are really, I mean, I'm repeating it, but they are really great professionals out, out mm. there. Um, I've been amazed by the, the quality of some of the agents I met. Mm. Uh, from a technical standpoint, from a market knowledge standpoint, from a, a emotional intelligence standpoint. Um, and um, we wanted to start by having the top 10% the top of agents in Singapore. Mm. Uh, we can come down to the conclusion that there is probably 1% of the agents that are too busy to not uh, be interested to join PropSeller. Uh, so those ones are, would be people focused on very um, premium, um, type of uh, properties like mm. uh, shop houses, mm. uh, condominium above $10 million, landed house above $10 million, etc. Those people have a business model that, that looks like more like the luxury business or a private banker business. Yeah. Um, and maybe they were not the best match for us, but has than that, we have, um, um, we were really super happy to, to be able to. To, to partner with some of the, the best in Singapore. Mm. And that 20% that you talked about, is that in line with what they're used to paying? What would traditionally a, a an agent pay in referral fee for inbound business? Um, you mean offline? 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, agents uh, sometimes pay referral fee offline um, to friends and calls, people mm. that can refer them clients. There isn't really no rule of thumb about that. It can go from 10 to 50% something. Right. Okay. So they're used to doing that. Yes, that's right. Okay. So you coming in and charging 20% is nothing out of their parameters. They understand all that, right? Look so. Yeah, okay, good. And how many agents do you have on board now on the platform? So at the moment, we have 500 agents who are registered with us. Yeah, okay. And how did you get those? Did you have to go out and hustle those? Did you, you only mentioned partnerships. We handpicked every single of them. Right. Every single of them. We directly reach out, um, my sales team directly reach out to every single of them. So we identify the one we wanted to contact first. We did not contact all of the 30,000 agents in Singapore. Mm. Uh, we invited them to our office. Uh, we spent some time with them. Uh, we vetted them. Um, and then we uh, let uh, the clients, their clients, do the job uh, and post reviews about them. Mm. We looked at their historical transaction, the listing they currently have. Uh, and then we've made our own uh, recipe with all those ingredients and mm. uh, they end up into the form of a, of a ranking. Right. And then from the other side, the properties, where are they coming from? The sellers? Yeah. Um, so we do a bit of advertising mm. online, obviously, as everybody. Uh, SEO is picking up quite well for us uh, over the last three, three months. Mm. Uh, and we had also a bit of, uh, a bit of word of mouth. Mm. Yeah. But you're not charging the sellers, though, apart from... No, them? not at all. Obviously, yeah. the fee yeah. that is accrued to the yeah. agent, right? No, the seller would, uh, uh, instead of going somewhere else, the seller would uh, uh, make sure that uh, he meets uh, one of the best property agents for mm. his property. Um, and more often than not, uh, we would also help him to negotiate uh, the commission he's going to pay to the agent. Yeah. Is there any issue with the quality control of the sellers? Because you're offering it effectively to them for free mm -hmm. and you want to put good properties in front of your agents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How are you sort of ensuring that? Because you don't want people who are just kite flying. Like I'll put it in this agent and this agent and this agent. You kind of don't want that, do you? That's or do right. you? I don't know. I mean, you know that market better than me. Yeah, you're right. No. The, the agent we deal with, they, they have no time to waste. Mm. Um, so they really value the fact that uh, we uh, introduce them to uh, qualified clients. So we spend some time on the phone uh, with every client that, that comes to us. Um, we have a part of that qualification process that's, that is automated, another part uh, that is uh, phone now more manual. Um, we take that opportunity also to provide some advice to, to the client sometimes. It's not, um, they need very simple advice um, and it's not the right time for them to meet an agent. Mm. Um, if it is the right time, uh, if they are, uh, if we have the right agent for them, uh, once we know a bit more, then yeah, we'll make the introduction. Okay. Let's move on. Talk about the, the team and the journey yeah. with PropSeller yeah. a little bit. Just before we get there, I, I guess, I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit before. I want to know, you know, what else is out there? I know you mentioned, for example, that most of the solutions have been from the vendor side rather than from the agent side, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you see yourself focusing on the property agents as your, your, your core, right? And mm -hmm. you say that most of the entrepreneurs have focused on the other side of the market, right? Mm -hmm. Are there any parallels with different markets? Do you have like a, you know, can you look to another market, different part of the world, America, Europe, and see these kind of platforms? Do they exist? So just to clarify, right, what I've said is that there were a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who have been focused on the property seeker, right? 
and uh, we focus on uh, the property owner. Mm. Our client is the property owner. Then we have 500 partner agents. The agents are our partner, but they are not our client. Mm -hmm. um, what's happening out there? Uh, you have a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, we know like the 99 co's and in, in Singapore or overseas. Well, globally, but you know, forget the, as you say, the property buyer yeah. focused platforms, okay. Okay. which is like the retail platform, okay. if you like. Okay. Do we have anything similar to you out there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, in the um, agent marketplace model, as we are operating today, yeah, there are um, players operating something similar. One player is called Open Agent. He's based in Australia. They've mm. been around for, for the last five years. They are doing pretty well, as far as I know. And um, another one, pretty big also, it's called um, Homelight. It's based in the US and they've raised, uh, so far, I think, uh, $55 million. Mm -hmm. And they're also doing pretty well. So that is the, the agent uh, marketplace model. But then you have other models uh, that are also addressing uh, the seller. For mm. example, a very interesting one is called the iBuyer model. And the main company is called doing that is called Open Door. They are based in the US. Mm. And what they do is that they say, oh, we offer you, um, we make you an offer within the next 48 hours. Right? So you can get your home sold within mm. 48 hours. You're not going to get the best price for sure. Mm. Right? But in case you are in a hurry, uh, that may be an option for, for some of the right. people, right? Um, but that model would not work uh, everywhere in a country like Singapore where you have buyer stamp duty, seller stamp duty, additional buyer stamp mm. duty. There would be too much money left uh, to the government on mm. each transaction. So you can't really buy and then resell that way, right? But yeah. it's a very interesting model anyway. Another um, model that uh, is also uh, addressing uh, the seller is the is the, the model of Redfin and Compass in the US, who are digital agency. They do things a bit differently, but mm. overall we can say they are digital agency. So they take that um, solution-oriented approach of a startup. Uh, they add a, a, a bit of, uh, of technology to it, um, and they get their own agent, mm. and then they, 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 they serve uh, sellers uh, with their own agents. Mm. But you have really only a couple of parallels with you. You've got one in Australia and one in the US who's yeah. in the agent marketplace. Yeah. That must be a good thing. Yeah. Especially, I mean, is this expandable to the rest of Asia? We think so. Right. Is there certain requirements for a market? I mean, obviously, you need a market where there are a, a lot of sellers and agents. You need a lot of, you know, a market where there's probably high fees being paid as well, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe a lot of equity in the market mm -hmm, to allow mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, are there any other requirements for this? Would this work in, for example, Jakarta or Ho Chi Minh? Or mm. is this more Hong Kong? What do you think? Maybe more Hong Kong. I think um, uh, what we do focus on is the what's called the resale segment, right? When you talk about property sale, there are actually mm. two types. New sale, that's uh, sold by the developer, uh, and resale, right? Uh, so since we address the seller, uh, we address the resale market. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, something uh, specific in Asia is that you have a percentage of a new sale that's much higher, for example, than in Europe or in yeah. the US, right? And that percentage changes a lot depending on the cities we are talking about in Southeast Asia. So mm. exactly as I think you had on top of your mind, in Ho Chi Minh or mm. uh, in uh, Jakarta, the percentage of a new sale is very high. Hmm. Um, yeah, Hong Kong would definitely right. be something. So this would work well in mature markets, mature markets, mm -hmm. where you have 
maybe a certain demographic who've owned property for 10, 20 years, mm -hmm. built up equity, mm -hmm. selling on rather than the off plan, the developments like we see in these mm -hmm. fast growing mm -hmm. cities, mm -hmm. right? That current model, yes, um, but we have a lot of them. Okay, watch this space. Let's talk about your team then, Adrian. If we can get the um, pitch deck up. At the end, we've got uh, a few slides. We'll just scroll down here. Um, let's talk about your team and where you met. Where did you guys come together? What's the story there? Um, I'm a solo founder. Um, so, um, I, uh, you know, a big part of my job, uh, in that business is basically to bring clients, agents, mm. investors, and team together, right? Uh, and there is a very specific order, uh, to go about it, uh, if, if I think you want to make that successful. Mm. Um, so, um, well, um, I met those people, uh, I've also, uh, uh, put it some job posting, right? Uh, and I think uh, currently we've built a great team. Currently we are we are a team of seven, mm. all uh, based here in Singapore. Uh, five of them are based in Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I want to ask you. I mean, I'm a solo founder as well, yeah. and this is obviously something of interest as a question for investors or partners as well. Sometimes, you know, we live in a world now where every startup you see the media portrays the two co-founders. They're mm -hmm. often like two 20-year-old kids out mm -hmm. of Stanford or the Accelerator. You're a solo founder. You've got a bit of experience under your belt. You worked at Groupon a number of years as well as a number of uh, strategy and sort of, uh, you know, in the, the business process side of things as well. Mm -hmm. um, how do you find that being a solo founder running a business like this? Do you, uh, you know, when investors ask you about risk of being a solo founder, because if Adrian George decides, no, I'm not going to do this anymore, can the business keep running? And I suppose the question I want to ask is, how do you ensure that? Because that is a naturally a risk, isn't it, for anybody with this business? Yeah, it is a risk if you if you change your mind. If one day you wake up and you're like, it's a risk for an investor. If one day, one day you wake up and you're like, okay, that's no longer what I want to do. Mm. Uh, so to mitigate that risk, uh, actually what we've done on the funding is that the first four angels to commit to the funding uh, where my first, my four first, sorry, my four previous boss at Groupon. Right. Um, so gotcha. people that, that knew me really well, um, and I think uh, uh, that knew that uh, if I was committed to something, it was not just for the next six months. Mm. So then, probably it helped. Yeah, that, without a doubt, they believed in you, mm -hmm. right? And what did they believe in what you were trying to do? Why? I mean, obviously, a massive part of that is you. Mm -hmm and your vision mm -hmm. and their understanding and their track history with you. But when you went to them and said, this is what I want to do, mm -hmm. you'd come from Groupon to mm -hmm. property agency. I know you have the family history as well. Mm -hmm. Why were they on board? What was it that excited them about the long-term and the vision? Um... I think it's a couple of things. Number one is is the market size uh, that we talked about already, mm. right? Um, number two is that um, is is there a really big problem? Uh, we talked a bit about it. I think they were convinced about that too. Uh, number three is um, am I uh, really passionate about that problem? Um, so I'm um, 
property investors also uh, on the weekend. I mean, I used to be now that I'm an entrepreneur, I'm no longer. <laughs> when I got uh, a salary before I used to be. Mm. Um, I was part of the team who launched also uh, the first commercial property portal in Switzerland back 10 years ago. Um, I worked uh, when I was a student during the summer in the property agency of my mother, etc. So I knew a bit about that. Not Obviously not everything. And I'm learning so much every mm. day. But I was not starting exactly from nowhere. Uh, and I had experienced the issue myself, right? Um, so I think at some point it's really down to like, do you really feel uh, inside yourself that passion to to fix that problem? Hmm. And, and if you get that, um, it becomes uh, much easier to convince people to to go about it with you. Mm. Yeah, I, I sense your passion for it, which obviously has an impact mm -hmm. on everybody that comes into contact with you about PropSeller. Mm -hmm. When you talk to people who reach out to you, mm -hmm. For example, somebody might watch this interview, listen to this interview and say, Adrian, I love what you're doing. I want to be part of this. Mm -hmm. That could be, for example, a potential hire. Mm -hmm. Investors need to wait a little while because you've just cl successfully closed around, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the the team building yeah, yeah. here on inwards. Yeah. What are you looking for from, from those people? Do they have to have come from a property background like you? Um, do they have to have had experience that pain that that frustration that problem as well or you know do you have certain hard skills that you're looking for from potential team members what's on your shopping list so no uh i don't expect a candidate to have experience that um, that pain for, for this simple reason i mentioned before that it is when we talk about property seller usually you need to be at least 40 years old for, mm. for that right so um so no, I don't expect that, but I expect them, I think, number one, to really uh, make the research, understanding what we are doing, um, and coming back with interesting insight, right? Um, I think the, the, where, where the good candidate can make a really great difference is say, okay, uh, a lot of property uh, tech startup, uh, they're actually uh, trying to compete with Property Guru and 99.co, but this is addressing the property mm. seeker. I understand you are addressing the supply side, the property owners. I found that quite interesting for mm. this and that reason, right? So that would be like this inner understanding of, of what we do and who we are addressing. Mm. I think that's number one. Number two, uh, at the stage we at, um, I think we are l really looking for people that are entrepreneur already or, or want to be one, right? Um, there is no uh, pre-made solution for the stuff we are working on. Uh, we have to um, find the answers every single day, every single week. Mm. Uh, it requires a lot of, um, how to say, commitment, uh, a lot of dedication. Mm. Um, so it's really important to have this mindset of, uh, of, um, of okay, uh, it's not easy every day, but we'll we'll keep going for it, and, and we'll find what it takes. Hmm. Um, the third thing I'm I'm looking for with candidate is a true a true uh, customer focus, right? A client focus. Uh, we come every day at the office. Uh, to make our client more happy. And the thing that makes us the most happy in life is when we meet a client uh, for lunch uh, to collect his story, and that story is actually a fantastic success story. Mm. That's what drives us every day, every mm. single day. Mm. You have people who are passionate about that. Yeah. They don't have to have come from property 
do they? I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are passionate about people who have never worked in property. Yeah, um, it's better if they do, but if they don't, mm -hmm. um, uh, they can be trained. Yeah. What if somebody came to you and said, hey, Adrian, I listened to your story. I worked on big data or, you know, I was a data scientist mm -hmm. in this area, maybe in, you know, restaurant reviews, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I worked on an algorithm that matched paired buyers and sellers, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about property, mm -hmm. but listening to your story, I think this could work. Mm -hmm. And I've got this information, my experience as a data science, as a programmer, mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily a people person. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to stick behind the screen. Mm -hmm. Is that person, does that person have a place in your organization? Yeah, we should have a coffee, definitely. Okay. And then uh, if uh, you're not really a people person or whatsoever, then it's my job to make sure that I put you in an environment where you mm. feel really great. Yeah, yeah, it's important as well, your job as a leader in the organization yeah. to set that culture. Do you, I mean, talk a little bit about your culture as well, because I find you are making appeal to people who are quite entrepreneurial, mm -hmm. whether they are entrepreneurs, they've tried entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. they want to try it, or they want to work in a startup, mm -hmm. right, which is obviously a, a great way to become an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. how you learn. I mean, in a way, you work for you know, Groupon, mm -hmm. you learn that kind of entrepreneurial <laughs> environment, right? Uh, you know, they trained you to get where you are today, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Similarly, people can join Prop Seller mm -hmm. in the same way. They don't mm -hmm. have to start their own startup. Mm -hmm. Yet, you know, the culture is a key part of that, mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. What's the corporate culture? If I can use that word corporate, what's the company culture like in Prop Seller? Can you give us an insight? What's the day-to-day -day like? So we have not yet, you know, defined that culture on paper with like those seven or six super bold yeah. uh, lines say, okay, this is what we all commit to on a hands-on meeting, this kind of thing, right? We have not done that. Um, I think um, if you, maybe my team would be uh, better suited than yeah. me to answer that. Uh, but since I'm the only one here, I'll have to answer it. I'd say, um, number one is that uh, passion for the customer. Uh, number two is uh, that sense of ownership, mm. right? Um, number three is that uh, entrepreneur attitude. And uh, number four is probably uh, the camaraderie, right? Um, uh, that's something I, I've discovered at Groupon and, and I think mm. I, I loved it so much. Um, that um, you, you, as as an entrepreneur, you want to reproduce that, right? When when I was in the pa let me tell you that story. When when I was in the Paris office, right? When I joined in the first first days, we were like I think about twenty five, right? I was reporting to Frank, the CEO for France. Uh, we got salespeople a bit around, etc. And when I left three years after that, in the same almost the same office, we were a thousand people, right? Wow. So for, for three man. years, basically, I've seen five tables um, uh, with people getting interviewed uh, from 9 to 5 p.m., right? Um, that exception, exceptional growth, uh, if you want, could not be um, absolutely managed or controlled with system, standard operating procedures, mm. etc. So for a couple of months, it has to be managed by people who really care. Right, and uh, by the time that we find the process and the system to manage all that, right, 
And um, at Groupon, unfortunately, we had some mistakes, right? We, we've made some mistakes. It went a bit too fast. We, we sold too many vouchers sometimes. Uh, we had to fix it. Hopefully, it was only less than one deal out of a thousand where people were, were not super happy, but they were making a bit more noise than the one who were going well. Um, and I've seen those people walking uh, on um, delighting clients with basically Google Sheets, mm. right? but so much dedicated that they yeah, could yeah. achieve about everything, right? With everybody helping uh, everybody. I think that was fantastic. Mm. That was fantastic, and I, and I think I would always try to, to reproduce that in, in any uh, company I work with. Yeah, that all comes down to the people. The process, like you say, is second, isn't it? Because good process with average people, it's just average, isn't it? Mm, if you have good people, you know, they'll find a way. That's all always fine. The right people will find a way, even like you say, if they're using Google spreadsheets or whatever, doesn't matter. Yeah. They'll find a way. Yeah. Okay. So if you think of yourself as one of those people who could fit into that culture mm -hmm. and be part of Prop Seller mm -hmm. and help grow it, what would be the best way for people to reach out to you, Adrian? How do you prefer that? Do you prefer people to pitch you over the phone, send you a CV? meet you in coffee and like talk chat about their story what works you can use linkedin add me on linkedin send me a message uh you can also uh, send me uh, uh, an email uh, at uh, adrian.george at propseller.com and uh, and if it makes sense uh, you'll definitely get an answer yeah there you go we'll put all the details in the yeah. show notes and say that you watched this interview as well yeah. like you said you want people who've done the research mm -hmm. so somebody who actually listened to this mm -hmm. Listen to a bit about the story, mm -hmm. the why mm -hmm. behind Prop Center as well. Mm -hmm. And that is key for you, isn't it? Because you know that that sort of eliminates all the people who are just looking for a job. You want people who really want to build this thing yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Excellent. Adrian George, everybody, founder and CEO of Prop Center. It's been a pleasure having you in the studio. Wishing you all the best with your journey. And it is a journey, so let's get an update in the future as well. Come back on 2019, just around the corner. It would be great to hear how you are going with Prop Seller, you know, your plans also for expanding that, yeah. whether you're going to different cities as well, we'd like to see, because that's a challenge in itself. So it'd be great to get some, some update on that case study. Yeah. Agent George, everybody, thank you very much. Thank you, Graham. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.